Hey everyone, welcome back to Cancer Actually Fucking Sucks. Today's guest is Rachel Johnson, a stage four Hodgkin's lymphoma survivor, health and fitness coach, podcast host, and soon to be published author. Can't wait for you to hear her story and don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast, share it with friends and family or whoever you think may find comfort in hearing our stories. Thanks. Hi, Rachel. Welcome to Cancer Actually Fucking Sucks again. Hi, again. Yes, I'm so excited to do this all again. <laughs> I know. For everyone listening, we had technical difficulties. So um, yes. this is round two of the recording, but now Rachel has so many other things to tell us. So it's so Yes, I'm so excited. Um, yeah, I can't wait for you to like share everything and you have like, a coming scan. So I want to like get into all of it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess to start like introduce yourself a little bit, maybe like what your diagnosis was, and then we can go yeah. through like the story and kind of how you found out you had it. Yeah, of course. So I am a senior in college right now. I'm a biology major on the track to become a physician assistant, but I'm actually going to be a super senior next semester because okay. um, I transferred colleges a few times. So I'm like on a different path, but yeah, I am currently a few weeks away from being six months in remission from stage four Hodgkin's lymphoma. So mm-hmm. I finished chemo December 1st of 2020. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Six yeah. months. So That's big. Six months. I know it's weird. And it definitely, after I, after three months, it was like a little bit better and it's not as taxing like every day. Yeah. Um, but it was all through COVID. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was totally different than other stories I've heard of people who like go with these big groups of people to appointments and the support systems. And I'm just like, I had to be home the whole time. So it was a little different, but yeah. um, Yeah. I try my best to go to school during it to keep schedule and it was Mm -hmm. hard, but you're happy. Are you happy? It's so weird to talk about. Yeah. I'm, I'm happy it's done because chemo was so much more mentally taxing than physically taxing. I think, but I'm so happy. I'm almost six months. Yeah. The first three months is like Mm -hmm. rough. Oh, it was terrible. Yeah. Awful. So bad. Yeah. So, bad, so, bad. so um, yeah. yeah, and I want to talk about that more because I think people don't talk about it enough for sure. Like after. Like, no, right we after. definitely don't. Um, mm. But how did you like first find out you had it? Was it like during COVID? I, f- I forgot the timeline. It was mostly during COVID, but it really started August of 2019. Mm. 2019. Yeah. So I felt like lumps in my neck. I thought it was like cysts. I thought it was me getting mm-hmm. sick because it was like school was about to start. So I thought I was just like stressed and my immune system was suppressed. Um, so I didn't think anything of it. And then January of 2020 comes around and the lumps are still there. And I'm like, okay, this is super weird. And so I live in Jersey. I don't have, I still don't have a real primary care doctor. Um, cause we just went to a bunch and we didn't really mm-hmm. like them. So then I found a new one. Her reviews were great, but then again, she had like very minimal reviews. So it wasn't like a good gauge yeah. on who she was. Um, so then February, we made an appointment with her. We saw her. She told me that I was probably just sick with like, um, a virus. So she gave me antibiotics. I didn't mm. take them because at this point, the lumps in my neck were like rock solid. Wow. And I wasn't like, this isn't like a swollen, like right. a sick sort of thing. This is like, I need to go see a specialist about something. So then she was like, okay, fine. Like, let's just prescribe blood work and see how it is. I was like, fine. 
Good so for you I got for the blood work like and saying I, something. Yeah, I was like, I was like, girl, like, yeah. no, no, I'm not gonna listen to you. <laughs> like right off the bat, I knew she was just trying to just like prescribe me something and right. like get me out yeah. of there. So I scheduled an appointment to come back and go over my blood work. But when I went back, she was like, So why are you here? Again? Oh my god. And I was like, to go over my blood work. Like you told me to come oh my here god. And go over it. And she was like, Oh yeah, so everything's fine. And I was like, Right, sure. But the only thing that was wrong was I tested positive for an ANA, which is like you test positive for an, an autoimmune disease. Okay. I learned later on that that could have just been triggered by inflammation right. from the cancer in my mm-hmm. body. So when she said that, I was like, okay, that doesn't really make any sense. But she told me you should go to a um, gastro and test like a GI doctor. I can't say yeah. that word. GI or a rheumatologist or like um, an endocrinologist. And I was like, none of those really make any mm-hmm. sense because my hormones were fine. I didn't have any joint pain or anything. I was like, I think I'm okay. I was like, no, like you need to give me a better answer. Like who can I go see that isn't right. you who can look at the things in my neck? Yeah. And she was like, I guess an ENT. So an ear, nose, and throat. I was going to say not an ear, nose. Yeah. Yeah. So I went to an ear, nose, and throat and she was amazing. Right off the mm-hmm. bat, she was like, okay, we're doing another blood test. We're going to schedule an ultrasound um, and then we'll see from there. So then that was March, March. I got early March before everything closed down. I got my ultrasound Mm -hmm. and she said that obviously I can't tell anything from an ultrasound other than like size of things. She was like, okay, well the size is a little concerning. So we just want to get a needle biopsy. Anyone Mm -hmm. who's listening, if they ever recommend a needle biopsy, just say no and go for the full biopsy. Yeah. They don't, like, they literally never show anything. No, it's always inconclusive. And I'm like, then why do it in the first place? Like, it's so uncomfortable, too. It's so uncomfortable. Mine (sighs) took forever, and it was inconclusive. Yeah, exactly. So she prescribed the needle biopsy, but then COVID hit and everything shut down. Mm -hmm. And they couldn't do, quote, unquote, non-emergent procedures. Right. So I had to wait until May. So March, (gasps) April, May. But then at the beginning of May, I felt another lump in my armpit. That was oh my God, much bigger and it hurt. Like I could feel mm. it rub on my bra. It was just yeah. very uncomfortable. And all through this, I had hot flashes like crazy. I had, I'm going to ask like yeah, what other symptoms. Yeah, and then yeah. I had really bad fatigue. Like I would fall asleep driving to school or just oh, like so sitting scary. at my laptop. I'd be like dozing off. Like my eyes would be mm. closing. And I thought I was like, oh yeah, like I'm just tired. Like I was waking up at five in the morning to go to the gym. Or to mm-hmm. be at the gym at five. So I was like, I'm tired. Like, I'm driving an hour away to school. I go to the gym every day. Like, it's fine. Whatever. Like, no, Rachel. Yeah. Your body's trying to tell you something. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Listen to your body. Exactly. <laughs> um, and so then May, I think it was like the 28th or 27th or something, I got the needle biopsy because I was like, I don't care. I need to get this done now. Like, a, mm-hmm. a screw non-emergent procedures. I need to get this done. She was like, okay, it's inconclusive. Um, so we're just going to go for the full biopsy. So they did a biopsy in my neck right here. It's really weird. Cause she was mm-hmm. like, hopefully I'm not too close to a vein. And I was like, I hope you're not too close to a vein girl. Um, yeah. I was really scared of me to yeah, go under like that. Yeah. But it was <laughs> fine. Was it was perfectly really fine. Um, yeah. so also all through this, I just like accepted the fact that if this is cancer, it's cancer, like it's already happening. I have to get it done mm-hmm. with, like, if it's already started, I have to finish and like get whatever did treatment you, like, done. No. Did you know anything, like, about lymphoma or, like, did you know it's, like, you know, has, like, a higher cure rate and, like. I had no idea. I mean, I started doing a lot of Googling right when I felt the lump. So I was already, like, I knew the possibilities and I was, like, okay, 
this is, this mm. could be this. It's fine. But I didn't know it was like a high curate at all. Like that wasn't popping up in my Google searches. And I remember my friend asking me before I had my biopsy, she was like, do you think it's lymphoma? And I was like, honestly, it's the only thing that makes sense with my symptoms. Yeah. So I can't That's see That's interesting. You were else. like very accepting of it. I was. Yeah. I was surprised. I look back and now I'm like, how the heck was I so accepting? Yeah. I had a lot of peace about it because I was like, I, I, I don't know a lot as a biology student, but I like understand how things work, even though mm-hmm. this doesn't have like a cause to it. I was like, mm-hmm. it happens. It's so frustrating that it happens, but you know, I have to get it done with like, it's, mm-hmm. it's, you know, so June 1st, I had the biopsy in my neck and then I, it was like a miserable week of just waiting, even though in my head, I think I knew that it was going to be Hodgkin's cause it, that was the only one that made sense. Yeah. So, so you had to get the full biopsy and then wait, they couldn't tell you then, right away. No, they couldn't tell me right away, sadly. And my mom is so funny because she waited in the parking lot with me because even my needle biopsy, my ultrasound, no one could come in with me because of COVID. So I had to, right, right. Yeah, I oh had to God, get special so permission for her to even wait in the waiting room for my biopsy. Wow. But then when I went in, she had to leave. Like she had to go sit in the car in the parking lot. So she says, so she was like, she said she couldn't sit in her car. So she was like walking around the building. She was like praying in her head. She was like, I was just mm-hmm. praying and praying and praying. And then she said yeah. she saw this woman with like a sample bag and like a cooler mm-hmm. walking out of the back door. And she was like, I knew that was your like biopsy. She was like, I was, she was like, I was like about to grab that bag and run back to the hospital <laughs> with it. I was like, oh my gosh. And I was like, oh mom, I knew she would. I knew she would grab that and just run across the street. Yeah. Um, so that was June 1st. And then the week of waiting, I think it was harder on my parents to wait because they really wanted to know, but I just, I knew in my bones that it was that. Mm-hmm. Um, so she calls me Thursday night and she goes, oh, we have your results, but I want you to come in. She said, but you should bring a parent with you. I was like, oh, okay. So this is like, this is it. (laughs) Yeah, this is going to happen. So I know the date. It was June 5th. I go in Mm -hmm. and she's like covered in PPE. Like she has the face shield. She has a mask over her N95. She has like the scrubs on with like the covers over her. So she takes all of her masks off in the room with us. And she just sits down. She goes, so it's called Hodgkin's lymphoma. And then in that moment, I just like, yeah, like nothing. I, I like don't, shut off. Yeah. Like I don't remember hearing the rest of what she said. I just look yeah. over at my mom and she's like tears, like flowing. And I just like hold her hand and I'm just like, I, oh. I, I'm just, I'm not even listening. I'm just here at this right. point. And all totally. I hear is that like, it's very treatable. She wasn't looking at me. She was looking at my mom because she saw yeah. that my mom was like a wreck. And I was like, yeah, she knows I'm just, yeah, I'm not even listening right now. Right. Um, but she was like, it's very common in young, like young women. She said, especially the subtype that you have, like it's called nodular sclerosis. Um, even though the uh, Hodgkin's as a whole is more common in men, which I had no oh, idea. Oh, is it? Yeah, well, really common in oh, men up to age like 50, surprisingly. Oh, mm-hmm. that is interesting. Yeah, but the subtype nodular yeah, I always thought sclerosis. It was yeah, right. But the subtype nodular sclerosis is more common in women 19 to 30. So mm. that's probably the subtype that you had, if anything. Um, yeah. So she tells me that. And then in the office, she said, oh, I have a really great oncologist friend 
if you guys don't have one already, I can just call him up and ask him to set an oh, appointment. She so sounds great. She's so great. And my mom actually just went to see her um, for like her own oh. appointment. She like gave her a picture of me. I'm like, I wrote oh. her like a thank you card and stuff. She's She was great. She definitely yeah. treated me very, very well, um, mm-hmm. which is amazing and really hard to find nowadays. Um, it is, yeah, like that stands out. Yeah, yeah. So she called him up in the office that Friday and we scheduled an appointment for Tuesday. And he was mm. so nice over the phone. He was like, of course, like she can come in. And she said, well, she's really close with her parents. Can they come in as well? Because I need a special permission or else they wouldn't be able to come in because of COVID. But right. luckily they were able to come in, both my parents. And I remember, oh, yeah, my dad met us at the ENT's office, like right after, because he was coming from work. And we just sat in the car and we told him and he was like, okay. Like, and mm. at that point, my whole family was at my house. Not my whole family, mm. but like my my all my siblings because they're older and like some of them have moved out. Yeah. So like they came home, and my younger brother was he came home from his school, mm. and I remember they were all just like very just like in shock because they were like you have oh well, yeah what like yeah you, like what and I know my brother because my older brother he's an engineer so he was like mm. so how do they give chemotherapy and in my head I was like. I have no idea. Right. Yeah. And, but I knew that radiation wasn't like from a bag, you know, I wasn't, it wasn't like in an infusion bag. So he was like, do they give you, is it like radiation and chemotherapy? And I was like, no, it's just chemotherapy. He was like, so how are you going to do it? And I was like, I don't know. He was asking me questions. I had no answers to. I was like, David, I don't, I have no idea, bro. I love how he's like trying to like figure out the way. Like, yeah. Logistics. He's an engineer. So he like needs all right. of the answers. I was like, yeah. calm down. Um, yeah, he's funny. So then I have to tell my boyfriend and he was Mm. devastated. Oh my gosh. But I remember when we found out the staging, he, he told, he told me later on, he thought I was going to die. Like he didn't think I was going to make it to Christmas. And like that, that made me cry when he told me that. And I was like, that was like a little bit almost when chemo was done. And he told me that and I was like, oh, well, yeah, that's terrible. Cause your staging was, it's like, that's another thing too, that like, I always forget that like once I once it was like okay you have lymphoma like okay now what like what do we do about it I was just yeah. like let's go yeah the exactly. staging was like almost scarier yeah because they're like where else is it in my body like mm-hmm. you feel healthy but you're not yeah so like yeah. how was that for you and like what was um, that process like yeah so the next two weeks he gave me time to get all my scans and to think about like fertility treatments and stuff. Um, mm-hmm. but once I found my staging, I decided not to go through with fertility treatments. Um, just yeah. cause I didn't think I should. And it was just like too far along for me to stop everything and wait three more right. weeks. So right. I had like the lung test and heart test they have to do to see if you're like eligible for the chemo. And then mm-hmm. the CT scan and PET scan showed lumps in my neck, like collarbone, mm-hmm. um, my left armpit my mediastinum, which was like, it wasn't that big, but I've heard of people who have it like way bigger in the middle of their chest. Um, yeah. it was a little mass on my chest, a few scattered in my lungs, mm. a few scattered, like tiny, tiny ones scattered in my abdomen and then one in my spleen. So That's really scary. Yeah. Yeah. And I was like experiencing hot flashes. So, and fatigue. Mm. So that gave me the B at the end of my diagnosis, which just means you have mm. symptoms. But because it was in a lymphatic organ, my spleen, it was stage four. And it was like past that. So he told me over the phone, so stupid, um, instead of being in person. But he's a nice guy. It's fine. I know COVID was just like, it made everything harder. But he was like, so it is stage four. And I was like, 
Oh my god. Okay. <laughs> Great. And I remember yeah. um I was with my boyfriend when he called me. Mm-hmm. So I was like sitting with him outside and he called me and I was like, okay. I was like, okay, well, like, thank you for letting me know. And then I went inside to my mom and she just went like, oh my gosh, and just started crying. And I was like, mm-hmm. and yeah. I hadn't cried yet. I hadn't cried at all yet. Wow. Yeah. And then I went downstairs because my dad was in the basement for something. I went downstairs and I told him. And then they were just like, so how do you feel? And I was like, and I just started crying. Like, like yeah. it was just like, okay, it hit me. And I was like, oh right. man, like stage four. But then yeah, I scary. saw him, I saw my oncologist in person again. And he was like, listen, mm-hmm. the staging doesn't mean like how far you are from dying. It means mm-hmm. how far it's spread, but it doesn't mean that it's more severe. He said he mm-hmm. saw, he's seen, or someone actually who started chemo the week before me, he mm-hmm. he was only stage two, but his masses were so much larger than mine. Um, right. And we had the same amount of chemo. Like we were there right. the same day, but he was just like one ahead of me. So yeah. he was like, it doesn't matter where, it doesn't matter how big, it just matters that the chemo is working. Like that's it. Yeah. That's it. Okay, mm-hmm. fine. So he, he that, reassured me. Yeah, did that me make you feel It definitely made better. me feel a lot better. It made my parents yeah. feel a lot better too because they were like, does this I'm mean sure. she's like almost terminal? And I was like, oh my gosh, I don't know what's oh, going God. on. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That, oh man, that, that would have been terrifying to hear, but uh, yeah. 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 So we decided to start with ABVD. Um, we did mm-hmm. two cycles, which is four sessions. And then we took mm-hmm. the B out after my fourth treatment because my PET scan was completely clear after my fourth, wow. yeah, after my first PET scan, which was amazing. That's amazing. Um, yeah. I was like, okay, thank goodness. So at that point I was no evidence of disease. And yeah. then we went through with eight more chemos. So in total 12. Mm-hmm. And then, um, we took out the bleomycin. Thank goodness. I yeah. the bleomycin. I know. Um, I remember you said you had rough. to take lung tests like every other week. Yes. Every other week. It was so annoying. <laughs> it's disgusting. But I only did I that know. once before chemo it started. So annoying. Like I appreciate that my doctor was very meticulous, but like. You probably got like toxicity or like you were, he was concerned that you were going to get bleomycin toxicity. Yeah, he, he was. And yeah. my lungs did start to, um, like my lung capacity did start to go down, Ooh, which is yeah. why we took the bleomycin out. Yeah. Yeah. So I was able to do the, the last eight treatments, just AVD. Um, yeah. and then I had my last chemo December 1st and December 17th, I was officially in remission. No evidence Amazing. of disease. Yeah. So technically yeah. from NED in August when I, or July, when I had my PET scan, to like then it made me in remission because usually it's like right. no evidence after your last chemo and then you're in remission so technically mm-hmm. still be in remission but like five years from now I can't wait till it's like cancer free I know it's like, so annoying yeah. that it's five years I have to forget yeah. five years I know oh my at God. least like two is a big marker also. yeah even oh one gosh yeah one like from Hodgkin's lymphoma patients is huge you know yeah yeah mm-hmm. Yeah. And yeah. I, I've connected with so many people who had like more severe or the same or less and their all mm. their chemos are so different. So different. Right. Yeah. And I'm like, oh my gosh. It yeah. changes from every person. I know. It's so interesting. And it's interesting mm-hmm. how different everyone reacts to it. Like yeah. everyone's bodies are just yeah. so different. Yeah. Like how, I, yeah. How is it for you? Yeah. I was able to work out but I had to I gave myself I told myself I had to wait at least three days like after the chemo treatments I mean the first chemo not gonna lie it was a breeze 
it was not mm-hmm. hard. I was just super tired. I mm-hmm. felt the day after like the steroids make you so bloated and so gross. Mm-hmm. Oh my god, disgusting. And like the like red flush that you get and I wake up and I'm like, why do I feel like I just drank like a whole bottle yeah. of salt? Like that's like, how so puffy. I feel. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I was like, oh, this is so gross. It's just like such an uncomfortable, like it's an indescribable, yeah. like just uncomfort. Um, you just want to like you're like stuck in your body yeah and you just want to like shower all day because you just feel disgusting all the time um yeah but the first one was a breeze I was actually my best friend's birthday the day of my first chemo Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. after I had chemo I went I came back home I ate some food which I don't know how I did that later on like I yeah anyways um yeah so (laughs) I I ate some food I took a nap it was like a 30 minute nap and then I went to her birthday party. It was like socially mm-hmm. distanced and stuff. She was like, Rachel, why are you here? I was like, I feel fine. Like, I'm okay. Right. It's like, you just had chemotherapy, go home. And I was like, I want to be here. Like, I want to be yeah. with, like, with everyone. Like, this is good. Like, I'm going to have to quarantine myself for the rest of this because mm-hmm. of my immune system. So I was True. like, I need to get out now. Um, but then I think it was day three post first chemo. I was able to work out. Like, I was mm-hmm. super winded though. And I've never really been like a person who gets winded very easily because I was an mm-hmm. athlete for most of my life like an endurance mm-hmm. athlete. So I was able to like, Oh wow. Do whatever. I was a swimmer. So like my lungs were pretty oh, wow, yeah. great. Yeah. yeah. Um, and now the capacity is like awful, too. <laughs> like terrible. Um, yeah. so I was able to work out like day three post chemo and then all the other ones, it really, it, it depend, it depends on how, how soon after I would get moving like if I started Mm -hmm. to walk like the day after chemo I would be able to Mm -hmm. recover a little faster each time yeah like if I let myself like rest for too long I guess I would be so run down for the rest of the week so Mm, it helps so much to move my body and I tell my boyfriend I was like you have to make me walk like you have to make me get up and move and he was like but I want you to rest I'm like no I can't do it he was like Rachel no you gotta chill um even my parents were staying in your room yeah. 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 But then like as the chemos went on too, I just got more and more tired. Like I couldn't do the same things. Right. Even though like they were every other week. So I was able to do enough workouts and stuff and walk and I wanted to get outside as much as I could because I hated being at my house because I couldn't yeah. go anywhere. And it was COVID. So like exactly. I couldn't you're see literally anyone. stuck inside. <laughs> yes. Exactly. Yeah. And I had it I didn't go to the grocery store for like yeah. six or seven months and when I did I was right. like I almost cried because I was like this is so nice yeah. I'm not home <laughs> yeah <laughs> it was great <laughs> yeah it was yeah. definitely how different. was it like it was it, I guess it's really it's so nice that you have like your family and your boyfriend and mm-hmm. so you weren't like super isolated but but just through like cancer like did you connect with other people during it and mm-hmm. like how did you go through kind of like that isolation that I feel like most people feel yeah especially in COVID right during COVID I mean I the few people that I really talk to every day I used to go to school in Oklahoma so like I have friends over there and we're we're used Mm -hmm. to like talking like FaceTiming and stuff so that wasn't an issue but like Mm -hmm. my best friend because it was the summertime and the summertime we're usually with each other all the time we're always going Mm -hmm. to the beach we're always like at each other's houses so it was really different for me and her to talk and like but we're, we love FaceTiming anyways. That's just who we are. We love being on our phones. Yeah. Um, but her mom <laughs> actually went through breast cancer a few, many years mm. ago, actually. And okay. so she's seen like the toll that chemo like takes and stuff. So she was, mm. she was probably the only non 
can't like cancer survivor or cancer fighter person who could really relate to what I was saying. Yeah. She saw her mom grow through it. So it was really great to have her. Um, like my family, my boyfriend, like they would just listen to me, like because they couldn't, they knew they can't like be like, oh yeah, right. I know because this. I'm like, no, you don't know. Um, yeah. so like they wouldn't try to relate in any way. Most of my family members wouldn't try. Yeah. Okay. Like the people who saw me like actively going through it would do their best not to relate to like what they mm-hmm. were going through. Um yeah, on social media, I decided to share because I already had a growing quote unquote um social media presence. Um, mm-hmm. just because like with the like fitness stuff I share and like wellness and health stuff I share on my Instagram. Yeah, can you explain like a little bit about that? And yeah, then also of course. how that's like changed maybe with the yes. cancer stuff yeah so um beginning uh, okay so it's a long story I used to go to school in Oklahoma and I was in a mm-hmm. really terrible relationship when I was there for mm-hmm. like a, it was I was in that relationship for like a short amount of months but it was super emotionally abusive and like manipulative and terrible mm-hmm. and I developed a binge eating disorder and mm-hmm. from there I knew that there's something wrong with me I just didn't want to admit it to people and I was mm-hmm. able to recover on my own. I definitely should have asked, seeked a little bit more wow. help. I recovered yeah. from it on my own. And I was like, people don't really talk about college students going through like disordered eating and like eating disorders. But, yeah. Like, and it's oh, everywhere. Oh my, oh my God. It's everywhere. Yeah. yeah. And I was like, you know, I, I really want to share like what I went through and like the health stuff that I went through. So it was, I think January of 2020, when it like, I think it was like January 1st, I posted my first like health related post. And it was just like, mm-hmm. um, not really sharing too deep into what I went through, I guess, in the post, but it was just like, sharing that I'm going to be talking about more things and, and like related to that and ways that yeah. I've changed my lifestyle and like adjusted it to like, you know, healthier food options, just like intuitively eating, mindfully eating, and mm-hmm. how I, I don't like punish myself with working out anymore. I don't punish myself for eating what I want to eat anymore so Mm -hmm. that started like right before like in January 2020 so like a few months before I was diagnosed so my I think at the time I only had like a thousand or like 900 followers and then when I started Mm -hmm. sharing my cancer story it was like thousands more people started following me and I was like oh my gosh and then people started DMing me and I was like oh my gosh like what is going on and they were like (laughs) I think it was like I was I started chemo in June and then in August is when other people who were recently diagnosed started reaching out to me. Right. And I remember the first person who reached out, I was like, she's my, she, I was like, she's my age. Like yeah. what? And then another person reached out and they were younger than me. And I was like, what is going on? And so mm-hmm. I had like 10 people. I was like, I'm just going to make a group chat. So it was like yeah. 10 separate women with Hodgkins messaging me, asking questions. And I was like, I'm just going to make a group chat. So now we have like 20 people in that group chat and oh, wow. there's so many different women. They're like women who are in college like me, or they just got out of college or they're moms and they were dying. Mm. Like this one woman recently, um, so like heartbreaking. She actually just had a baby, but she mm. was diagnosed with cancer right before she had her baby. So, wow. or like some women, it's like a few weeks after they had their baby, they were diagnosed. So it's right. so like surreal. And like, we, we all relate to each other in different ways, but then like, mm-hmm we're all having such different experiences through chemo and it's so, so yeah. weird. Um, but I think that's amazing. You were able to like connect. Cause I mean, that's, I think what we're like striving for when we're going through. Something yeah. Like that. And so like, that connection. group, exactly. That group is just where I was really able to be like, guys, I'm feeling like this today. And they're like, mm. yeah, I know. They're like, I get it. Or they're like, they're like, Rachel, like, I think I'm the one who's the farthest 
out of it. So okay. I'm, I'm six months out. And I think the, the closest person who's out is like four months out or something. Okay. Um, but it's so much easier to like, t- like just send a message in there. Like, oh my gosh, I can't believe this happened to us. And they're like, I know they're all right. just like, we're all, we all relate in the sense that like, if one of us is having a terrible day, we'll all just like come behind each other and just be like, yeah, we get yeah. it. And that's the only people who are really like, they can get it, you know? Right. Because totally. I know my, my, like my mom, I got super close to my mom during chemo and she wants me to tell her things. Or she'll look mm-hmm. at me, she's like, how you doing, Richie? Oh. Like, <laughs> like, it's that sort of just like, like, how you doing? Like, are you okay? Right. Like, what's on your mind? Or she'll look at me, she'll look at me and she goes, I can tell you're thinking about something. Like, oh. oh my gosh. And oh. like, there's times where I'll like, I'll tell her, but then other times I'm like, I don't know if she'll get it. Like, I know yeah. she was with me most of the time during chemo. She would take me to every treatment. She would drive yeah. me home. She'd take me to every blood work and every scan. Like she'd wait in the parking lot for everything. So like she saw me when I was like doing terrible. So I'll tell her some things and other times I'm like, and I'll just send in the group message and like in the, yeah. the DM like messages on Instagram and they're like, yeah, I know. And they'll like give mm-hmm. me more advice and stuff. It's just a lot more personal and relatable that way. So yeah, sharing my cancer story, I was terrified to share it because honestly, mm-hmm. I know that I didn't do anything to cause it. But like at the, at the point where I was sharing all my health stuff, I was like, does this make me a hypocrite? Like sharing health mm-hmm. things and then being diagnosed with cancer. It's like, mm. how are people going to react? But everyone was just right. like, oh my gosh, like, how did this happen? And I was like, oh, I don't know how this happened. Like, right. people were so supportive and like everyone like rallied behind me. Um, not to say that people on Instagram haven't been mean <laughs> at one yeah. point or another, but I mean, it was more good than bad, you know? So, yeah, totally. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I think sharing it and like just seeing how many people reach out that have experienced it. Oh yeah. Or like a friend has experienced it or mm-hmm. you know their sibling or whatever. Yeah. Um it's just like whoa. Like yeah. there's so this world this cancer world is like huge which is it's gigantic. Sad. <laughs> but Insta- the Instagram cancer world is so like like they're your hype people. Totally. You know? Like it's so great. supportive. Mm-hmm. Everyone just like wants to talk about their feelings. They do. And because it's like great. no one gets it. Let me tell you what I'm thinking. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. And then with the fitness stuff, um, well, first I want to ask actually, like, how did you start to overcome the like eating part of things? Right. Too? Like the binge eating things. So for me, it was really when I, when I started developing it, I was in that toxic relationship and it Mm -hmm. wasn't really me saying things to myself. It was the words that the, my significant other was saying to me that Mm -hmm. made me like, Oh my gosh. And like, they would, it wouldn't make me feel like a shame per se, but I would hide and restrict myself from food. And then when I was Mm -hmm. alone, I would binge on things because I was like, Mm. no one can see me. I'm just going to eat a bunch of things now. Um, Mm. Or like, oh my gosh, I'm starving. And then like eat and eat and eat and eat. Um, Mm. So I, first of all, I came home that summer and I was still disordered eating, but no one knew. I didn't tell anyone. Um, Mm. I didn't even tell my best friend at the time that I was going through this. And now we like laugh about it because it's like, she knew something was wrong, but I wasn't telling her. Like she could totally tell that something was up. But I got home and I was like, okay, there's definitely something wrong with me because like I'm afraid to eat certain foods, 
but then mm-hmm. like I'll just binge on like I'll binge on things that aren't even like quote unquote unhealthy but I'll feel like mm-hmm. ashamed about it and I was like this isn't normal mm-hmm. this isn't yeah. good for me um it's obviously not doing me any good and I was losing a lot of weight quickly but it wasn't yeah. a healthy you know I'm losing weight it wasn't know? like right mm-hmm. yeah because I gained like 20 30 pounds freshman year like freshman mm-hmm. do you know you have like a newfound freedom like oh my gosh I can feed what oh my I God. Like, whatever Absolutely. I want you know like it happens yes yeah, of course I I did too like yeah. freshman 15 was exactly. real yeah. and I didn't even notice like for me it was like I didn't notice I had gained weight until I lost the weight and I looked back and I was like oh Yes. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Me and all my um, friends, by the way, look back yeah, exactly. we're like, oh my God. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> having burritos every night. <laughs> I know, but like, it's the memories you make, like going and totally, running. Out, yeah. Like, midnight, you get like a uh, Sonic, or like midnight, you get like a Frosty yeah. or like Chick fil A, you know? Like, it's right, whatever. Yeah, you're you're making memories. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so I came home and like a month into me being home, I broke up with that ex boyfriend, actually in the car with my best friend. I had him on speakerphone. <laughs> It's so funny. Yeah. I look back now. For you. <laughs> and then actually a whole month, just a month later, I met my boyfriend that I'm with now. Wow. Yeah. And he had no idea what I was going through either. I hadn't shared it uh-huh. to it with him until like a few months into it. But mm-hmm. I, I was with him and he like, he comes from a big Spanish family. I come from a Spanish and Italian family. So like they're mm-hmm. always like together and just like eating like good food together yeah. and like just hanging out. And I guess being with him and like how much he loves food and all that stuff sort of just like rubbed off on me. And I was like, yeah, like I can enjoy food again. Like, what am I talking about? So it wasn't just like me doing it on my own, but like the exposure I had to people who enjoyed their food with their life Mm. instead of like disconnecting like life and food was just like so helpful for me. So I was like, yeah, like I'm enjoying quality time with quality people and we're enjoying this really good food. Why can't I do this on a daily basis? So it was put for me just putting the joy back into cooking and the joy back into mm-hmm. eating my food. And it wasn't so scary anymore because I was like, I'm having a good time, but I can still yeah. be mindful and like have things in moderation because right. it's not like we were eating out and like picking out every single day. It was like, we would have ice cream once in a while, but then like we would cook food together on a daily basis and I yeah. would go to his house or he would come to my house and it was just like a really fun time. And then I went back to that same university in Oklahoma and I realized that it was just such a, it was such a traumatic place for me at that point. I just couldn't mm-hmm. stay there. Um, just like seeing my ex-boyfriend around was terrible and being, sure, yeah. being nervous to see him everywhere I went. And my friends who were there were like, you're not the same. Like mm-hmm. you're obviously different. Like something happened and like, maybe you just need to go home. And I told them that I was going home. Like I was going to transfer back here to New Jersey. So mm-hmm. I did. And what was that? 2018, 2019. Oh my gosh. All my dates are messed up now. (laughs) I think it was 2019. Um, but at that point, I think coming home, everything worked out perfectly. Like it was amazing how much it worked out, but it was 2019, like January, I came home. It was Mm -hmm. probably the best choice for me ever because I finally had more freedom. I had more freedom, even though I came back home. Cause yeah, was, I think that makes a lot of sense. I wasn't were... so scared. Right. I, I could cook what I wanted to cook. I could mm-hmm. drive myself to the gym if I wanted to go. I wasn't just stuck in one place. I could go yeah. where I wanted. I could see who I wanted without having fear. Um, but for me, it's sort of just like I had to 
relinquish control because mm-hmm. binge eating and eating disorders in general is about control. So like yeah. for me, the control was restricting myself from certain foods and then I would like lose control when I binged. But then I right. told myself, oh, I can stop whenever I want. Like I don't have to mm-hmm. keep eating, but like I'm going to keep eating. So in my head, I was like, I'm controlling this. But the eating disorder was controlling me through it. Mm. So I was like, you know what? Yeah. So I relinquished control, I guess, by letting myself, like, I don't want to say letting myself, like, have control, if that makes sense. I don't even know. Because I I had to, like, do things that scared me without binging after. So, like, I would have my boyfriend Mm. choose where we went to go eat food I wouldn't okay. choose I know if I would choose we would go somewhere like super healthy or whatever but then I would be hungry after and I would go binge eat so mm, for me okay. it was about like creating this balance of what's on my plate first of all is it going to keep me full um am I going to want something after or mm. am I going to stay full from this so like I would after I would really have to ask myself after I ate like am I hungry or am I just bored like am right. I hungry or am I stressed Am mm-hmm. I hungry or am I just emotionally eating right now? Because that was a big mm-hmm. thing for me. Um, yeah. I think coming home was the best best um, possible scenario for me. And then a year after I came home is when COVID happened and cancer happened. So it all just worked right. out because being home while that was Yeah, you were already home. was the best oh scenario God. for me, you know? For sure, yeah. yeah. I didn't want to be stuck in Oklahoma <laughs> and going through cancer treatment or having to rush home no. to get cancer treatment, you know? right. Yeah, so, you were already home. Yeah. So yeah. that's definitely something that I'm slowly talking about more on Instagram. But obviously, I don't want to dive too deep on Instagram about it because I don't want to trigger anyone. That's like the last thing I want to do. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I talk about it in very, I don't want to say vague terms, but in terms that like everyone can understand, not just people who have experienced eating disorders. You right. Know? Yeah. Yeah. Because everyone, or not everyone, but a lot of people experience disordered eating mm-hmm. and and some I think that's like yeah yeah I think slowly that's starting to come to the surface a little bit yeah. more within like diet culture quote-unquote yeah. um so I think it's great that you talk about it like we are so hard on ourselves mm-hmm. um about everything but about food especially especially yeah. in college yeah like, oh my gosh in college oh my god I I know so many girls that had eating full on eating disorders. Oh yeah, and just like that culture is, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, it's not the best for it's mental state. Best. I would totally punish myself for eating too. When I would like, I would mm-hmm. go to the gym and I would like make sure I would run and run and run on the treadmill, and I'd make sure the mm-hmm. calories like hit a certain mark because mm-hmm. I like needed to get it to that point. But like now, yeah. It was such a punishment before, but now that I've found workouts that I enjoy, it's like, this right. is just like how I stress relieve or like how yeah. I de-stress and just like let all my anger out, I guess, or my frustration totally. out, you know? Mm-hmm. So it totally changed from a punishment to like, I'm like honoring my body by like keeping, like keeping up this great workout routine, but not for a, a physical goal anymore. It's so that right. I can feel my best like physically and mentally that's the biggest part for me is mentally yeah yeah me too it makes such a difference Mm -hmm. especially when you like you said find something that you like love exactly you're excited to do you're not like oh I have to go work out yeah exactly yeah and then do you because you post a lot of like about the fitness stuff do you Mm -hmm. coach are you like because 
Are you going to be a personal trainer? I forget what. I'm not a personal trainer, but I am a health coach, I guess you could call it. Okay. So I, I help people through this app that I use. It's called the First Form app. Um, mm-hmm. I coach them and advise them through there. We have like little challenges in there. And then I also have, oh, nice. yeah, I also have a Facebook group. That's just like, we do private Facebook challenges. I do nutrition education, um, like micronutrient education and stuff. Um, and then we do I like things like self-care Saturday or like food Friday. And I share like a recipe, um, or like motivational that. Monday. I like share pictures of my puppy and just like, <laughs> you know, just like as a mood boost. Um, yeah. So we do like, we share a bunch of different things in there. But I have, like, I, the challenges that I usually do, I, I have people come to me and they're like, oh, I really want to um, do this, but I don't want to like track my macros or track my calories. And I'm like, that's okay. Like I, when I first started really paying attention to my body, I wasn't tracking my macros. I'm tracking my macros now, but that's because like, I'm adjusting to a surplus in calories and I don't want to like mm. go back to my binge eating and just run back into that. So I'm doing it slowly and then I'll stop tracking. Yeah. But, um, so people are like, I don't want to track my macros. I'm like, that's okay. So I teach yeah. them how to intuitively eat better, have that like balanced plate of some sort of protein source, some sort of vegetable and some sort of like carb. So mm-hmm. it's not like you have to track something. You have to totally. do this. It's just like, no, if you're a vegan, we'll find something that works for you. Um, If you're like a vegetarian or you love eating meat or you hate, like you can't eat dairy or like you're gluten-free, like I'm gluten-free and I can't eat dairy. So I Mm. find it works for me. And some people just think it's like impossible to quote unquote lose weight or change their lifestyle without tracking, but you don't need to track Mm. your macros. And it's not for everyone, for sure. Like I know people who are like, if I started tracking my macros, I would develop an eating disorder. I'm like, that's 100% sure like I I 100% agree and I used to be terrified of my like tracking macros until I understood what macros were and like how a balanced plate works but it's definitely not for everyone and I don't want ever to make someone track their macros if they don't want to because it's yeah it's not an um the end-all be-all like you have to do that you know Mm -hmm. so that's really what I do in my Facebook group is I talk about everything not just um not just like, oh, what you need to eat to achieve this goal. It's like, how right. can you change small like daily habits to achieve yeah. this goal and do it long term and not have to like fall off the wagon. Like it's part of your lifestyle. It's not just a right. phase you go through, you know? Yeah. Yeah. You're preaching to the choir. That's like, <laughs> <Yes>. exactly. <laughs> what you do too. I know it's great. <laughs> yeah. Um, I literally could talk about it all day because yeah. I completely like the tracking tough. calorie, like it kills me when clients first start and they're like, okay, so I've been tracking calories and I eat like 1200 calories a day. And I'm like, well, you're starving. (laughs) No, oh my God. No wonder you're hungry all the time. I know. Yeah. So I'm all for not tracking, but yeah, when you get to a certain space, like mind space, if that helps, then like all good. But yeah. yeah. Right now I'm doing 75 hard for the second time in my life. Um, Yeah. I've been seeing like, I don't, it's like, how it's, is that been going? So Can you I did it. What it is, also. Yeah, of course. Are. So this guy, Andy Frisella, he's like the owner of and CEO of First Form. But before he started it all, he made this, like, it's called a mental toughness program. It's called 75 Hard. Mm. So it's 75 days of two 45 minute workouts. One of them has to be outdoors. Um, mm. 10 pages of a nonfiction book, um, a gallon oh. of water a gallon of water, you take a progress photo, um, 
you, what was, uh, no alcohol, no cheat meals, and you follow some sort of diet, quote unquote, plan or macro, whatever plan that you want. Um, mm. I think that's it. I think that's it. That's like yeah. really hard. Yeah. <laughs> I'm on day, I think today's day 60. Um, so oh I my have, God. You I know, have 15 days left? I have 15 days left, almost two weeks. And I'm so excited. I'm honestly so excited to be done and say that I did it. <laughs> sure. Only because I started it last year and I had to stop because I had to start chemo. Yeah. So right. I was so you're I like, I'm fucking doing it. Yeah. I was like, I'm going to get yeah. this done. So I, I had to finish, I think, on day 25 or something. I was so frustrated about it. Because I was yeah. starting, I was starting to like get in a groove, and I was like, "Oh yeah, like I feel so strong." And then I was like, Ugh, "Right, like, like another thing taken." Yeah. Yeah. So this time, I it was like right after my birthday. I told my boyfriend, I was like, "I'm doing 75 hard." He's like, "You are," and I was like, "I'm gonna do it. Like I have to do it. I have to just do it to say that I did it. Like honestly, yeah. I need to say that I finished it." So I started it, and honestly, I think doing this because I was already going I was already doing a workout and a walk a day it wasn't like each were 45 minutes but I was just so used to doing that and like reading it's such like a habit now and I think you sort of just forget about the physical changes that you're seeing because you have to take a progress photo every day if you don't Mm -hmm. do if you don't do all the tasks in one day you have to start over from day one oh wow yeah so And it's like an app. You have to like check off all the things or else it reminds mm. you like, oh, you failed or, oh, you didn't do a task. So, yeah. Um, so you sort of just forget about the physical changes that you're seeing because you get into such a routine and habit of right. it. And you're just so like focused to get things done. I think that's really, uh, that's in the point that I'm in at like the, one of the, like he has this book. It's like goes through the phases of how you feel during 75 hard. There's like a God phase oh, and like when you're really struggling and like when you're like the most mm. motivated. So I think right now I'm in like the most motivated phase. Like mm-hmm. I want this to be done. I want to get this done. I'm really just pushed. Like, I think that's why I started like doing all the things I'm doing right now because I'm just like, I want to do yeah. things. I want to get things done. And like right. my semester just ended. So I'm like, okay, what can I do now? Like, what can I right. like dip my foot in now and like get started and branch off into something new because I'm, I've only gone through like a few books, but they're all just like, they're not like self-help, but they're like working on your mind and your mindset to like grow yourself to a better version of you. And that's, I think that's really what 75 hard is because I saw the physical results last time, but I think the last time I did 75 hard, I was too focused on the physical results and I wasn't focusing Mm -hmm. on what my mind could do while I was doing it. So that's yeah. where I'm at in it right now. And I'm so excited for it to be done. That's Honestly, amazing. Just because I really want some freaking chocolate. Like I haven't had yeah. chocolate since chemo. Oh no, since my wow. birthday. And after chemo, all I've wanted to eat is chocolate. Yeah. Don't know what it oh is. Oh my God. Maybe my body's telling me that I need to eat more chocolate. I don't know. But I yeah, really no, we all need a little chocolate. Exactly. I haven't sure. had any except for like the protein bars that I have. But when I have my protein bars, I'm like chocolate. Yeah. Like, that's the only time <laughs> I get chocolate. So they're like sitting right there looking at me. Yeah. <laughs> um, That's amazing. Yeah. Wow, good for you. Thank you. But I definitely think when I'm done with 75 hard, I'm going to go back to intuitively eating just for as a yeah. break because I've been tracking my macros for like almost a year. So mm-hmm. I really just want to take a break from it and relinquish the control again. <laughs> not right. because I'm slipping into um, any older habits. I mean, the I'm not going to lie. The binge eating thoughts enter my mind. Yeah. Um, 
I definitely know how to escape from them. Um, but they're mm-hmm. hard and sometimes they're really loud. So I think that after this is all said and done with 75 hard, I'm going to not track for a little bit and see how it goes. Right. Like, I'm excited yeah. about it, honestly, because I have a lot of things to do this summer, like weddings and traveling. And I think it'll just totally, be easier yeah. for me. <laughs> you for know? sure. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. You did it at a good time, like right before. Kind exactly. Of COVID, I don't want to say ending, but uh, getting a little bit more open. Exactly. You know? Yeah. Um, more things to do yeah yeah um and then I want to talk about your podcast that you're launching yes. you want to launching so it's what like is it called to what go is it live in like four minutes oh my gosh okay oh, yeah so, <laughs> so it's called um oh it's called life as you thought you knew it and right, okay, by the time that. this this goes up it'll be the first episode will be up the trailer is already up but it goes live today at noon um Amazing. and I'm I honestly had the idea for a very long time. I think since I ended chemo, I had the mm-hmm. idea of starting a podcast. But then I like, I thought about, I was like, people don't really listen to podcasts. I was like, wait a minute. Yes, they do. Like podcasts yeah, is becoming the new everyone. radio. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? It's like all I do all day long. Listen to yeah. Podcasts. I mean, I was like, Rachel, you only listen to podcasts. Like, what are you talking about? Um, yeah. But the idea of the topics I'm, I'm going to discuss in it really came from the book that I'm writing. Um, because the book has the same title, but it's like, the book is more about like what led up to my like circumstances that led up to getting diagnosed with cancer and then how cancer and chemo went. But then the Mm -hmm. podcast is just going to be like a branch off from that. And they're just a bit more personal because it's like me coming from, it's like my voice coming from the phone, like talking about sensitive topics that like. I never thought I would talk about, you know, like how chemo affected like my relationship with my boyfriend or how chemo affected like school or even just like talking about eating disorders because Mm -hmm. like that's just a topic that like not many people want to talk about because it's like a Mm -hmm. touchy subject, but that's like why I wanted to name the podcast and the book life as you thought you knew it because no one wants to talk about the really tough situations, but like it's life. Like, yeah. you're going to have like one, one or more, what am I trying to say? You're going to meet multiple people who are going to go through similar things in you, or you don't know that they're going to go through it and they need to hear it before oh, no. they go through it or after even they go through it. Because mm-hmm. I mean, I learned things during chemo or even after chemo that I should, or I wish I knew when I was going through it. Right. Or what right. I wish I knew before I developed my binge eating disorder you know? Yeah. And especially those like girls who are my age or younger going through college or going through chemo even it's like, yeah, they need someone to tell them like, it's okay that this sucks. Like it's okay right. to admit that it sucks, but like, this is what I wish I would have known. And this was what I hope that you learn, you know? So yeah. that's why I started. Yeah. It. I'm really excited. I love it. it. I'm so excited to listen. <laughs> Thank you. I'm so excited. <laughs> I can't wait. And it's going to be like on because you're doing it through Anchor too, so it's gonna be yeah, on all the. It's gonna be on all the the platforms. There's like a few that I've never even heard of. That I'm like, okay, sure, like it's on there. Yeah, <laughs> I guess so. Yeah, yeah, I'm really really excited. So right now Yay! it's mainly on Spotify and like Google Podcasts. Um, I think it's taking a little while to get up on Apple Podcasts, but I'll announce. Yeah, it it'll be there. Yeah. yeah, it took like a day, I think, when okay. I started. It took like 24 hours. Okay. Um, 
That's so exciting. I know. I'm really excited. I can't wait to listen. And then I've, I think the last time we tried to record this, I only had like four pages of my book, but I think now it's like six chapters. Yeah. There's a lot in there and it's really, it's so like the beginning of it is so dramatic and I started typing and I was like oh my gosh why am I crying right now like oh wow oh, I'm like, sure you have to like and, relive everything yeah and I'm like typing things out and I'm like I didn't know I thought that or like wow yeah. that came from a place I never thought of <laughs> and I'm like yeah. okay wow I'm this sure. is really weird and it's such a therapeutic thing to type mm-hmm. things out and get it out of your brain and you're like don't oh have to gosh. think about that ever again you know? Yeah, that's why like even Instagram is therapeutic for me to like yeah. share things on Instagram. It's like yeah. I'm just writing out my thoughts or like what I was thinking and yeah, and yeah. that's that's really actually helpful. Idea. It is. That's where I got the idea of just writing a book because I was like, I'm writing. I, I do have to say, during chemo, I was writing some very inspirational crap. I don't know what was like. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. And I'm I'm sort of going to take some like Instagram posts, like rewrite them in the book because I'm like, Mm -hmm. I can't write like I did during chemo. I think I was really motivated during chemo. It was very weird. Wow. I was definitely a lot more high spirited (laughs) and like I was forcing myself to be happy so much during chemo. Mm -hmm. And like when it ended, I was like exhausted. Like I mentally was just like shutting everything out until... I think it was like until chemo number nine because um, my favorite chemo nurse wasn't there that day. Mm -hmm. She makes, she just makes everyone in the room just forget that they're actually there. Or like, yeah, it just helps everyone forget that like there's chemo running through my port right now. Right. It's just like, that's amazing. She makes everyone laugh. She's like the typical Italian, like Jersey girl that like the mom who just like wants to feed you food and like bring you food or like give you food if you're feeling down. She like makes yeah. you laugh and just she's so funny. I like have her number like in my phone. I text her sometimes and I'm just like, hey, I'm feeling like this. She's like, you're okay. It's like oh, you're okay, princess. So I'm like, sweet. okay, thank you. Um, I love she, that. She's great. Um, but she wasn't there that day and I was exhausted. I got into my mom's car after and I she was like, so how, she she would always ask me after. She's like, so how did it go? Yeah, and I'm like exhausted. I just tears like instantly. I was just like bawling my eyes out she like pulled the car over she was like it's okay we sat in that parking lot for like 10 minutes just like crying and I I don't think I cried ever since like I was I got my staging like I didn't really cry and I was like I needed to cry and then I think from then honestly to like now is really when I started to process what I had gone through because yeah you don't process it when you're in it for sure and I remember at the beginning, I was like, okay, I'm going to be strong because like, I want to like show my family that I could be strong. Like, I don't have to like, mm. like cancer doesn't have anything on me. And I wish I was mm-hmm. like, I wish I didn't think that, you know, cause like, yeah. it's okay if you cry. It's okay if right. you admit that this friggin' sucks, you know, like totally. you don't have to be tough. You, yeah. you are tough because we all like conquered this terrible thing called cancer like we don't have to act tough for the people around us we can be tough for us and still admit right. that this is terrible yeah. it sucks it's right. really just sucks it, su- you know? it fucking sucks yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> actually fucking sucks yes yeah yeah no it does and you can be yeah. you can be fighting and be strong and still like cry and be upset yeah you know? yeah like, did you, did you cry a lot during chemo I always the night before my chemo I always mm. had a breakdown really like I never, I never allowed myself to be like, why me? Yeah. Like, I'm just not that type of person. Yeah, me too. Um, But 
the night before chemo, I would always just be like, like have a breakdown and like allow myself to be like, why the fuck is this happening to me? Wow. Because I just knew I would go in and then I would feel horrible and I'd be in bed for a few days and like, oh man, because after you know how you feel, you're like, like okay, I got it. Yeah, because you're just like, I know I'm gonna feel disgusting. Mm -hmm. And the part that sucked too was like, like during COVID, like not comparing at all. Um, I'm sure it was so hard. Mm-hmm. Um, I did. I felt like I was like, my life was at a pause. Like everyone else was living their lives. I was like dating a guy in Austin. Like, oh yeah. And we like didn't make it. Like, oh. It's fun. But, <laughs> but like, I just felt like my life was on pause and I was so annoyed by it. And so the night before chemo, I was like, I'm going to be laying in bed while everyone else is like working and like moving on. And mm. you know what I mean? Yeah. So I like left that's when I like would break down but yeah in between the um treatments I was like fine yeah me too yeah and then as the days got closer I would like I would literally tell my boyfriend I was like I don't have to go back I don't want to go back like I don't want to go yeah. to tomorrow anticipation like, sucks I know and he would be like Rachel like you know this is gonna like in the long run this like this is what's gonna help you like you gotta go and I was like yeah. I know I gotta go I just don't want to go like yeah please don't like, make me go <laughs> right like you don't want to sit there and I don't want to feel nauseous <sighs> oh another yeah. thing I stopped taking my anti-nausea medication how um I Are don't you know nauseous? I was so <laughs> nauseous. It's not that I wasn't nauseous. I just hated being constipated. So I would force myself Beyond, to not take like, it. I remember I told my nurse that and she almost like yelled at me. She was like, Rachel, why are you doing that to yourself? I was like, I don't want to be constipated. I want to poop. Like, sorry. Yeah, but, I know they made me so freaking constipated. It was I, mean, I took horrible, them the like first horrible. three chemos and I was, I was so much pain. So yeah. much pain. I was like so bloated. I think I gained like 10 pounds just from like poop. Yeah, no, like, for oh, sure. It's terrible. My stuff, I like, I wouldn't poop for like literally a week. Yeah. And I hate, I hate that. I need to poop. I need to poop. Man. Same. But then the it's chemo the itself gives you diarrhea. So it was like a loose right. lose like, situation. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's <was> terrible. <laughs> you doubled on your shoulder. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah, it's crazy. Um, okay. So I normally ask people, like, what would be one or two pieces of advice you'd give if you were just newly diagnosed but I want to ask you actually one or two pieces of advice you would give for someone just like recently like you're in remission I'll see you in three months like oh man (laughs) that's really hard I know it's really hard because the three months after chemo were so hard for me so tough and now that I'm six months out like honestly after that three month checkup it was great. Like I felt great after that because I was like, okay, like I can slightly go back to normal, but Mm -hmm. oh man, I think because I never stopped doing school during chemo Mm -hmm. and after it was Mm -hmm. a really hard thing for me to, I mean, it's different for everyone because some people want to take a break after chemo, but some people just want to get back to doing life. Mm -hmm. So for me, right after I finished chemo, it was winter break. So I wasn't doing anything. I had no more schooling because um, it was Christmas. So I was just like sitting mm-hmm. in myself doing nothing, like just in my yeah. thoughts. So if I could give advice to anyone is just like do your best to live a little bit more or not like mm-hmm. not, put your, not live on the edge because that's not what 
my mindset is. Okay, I'm not like, a, oh, I had kids, right. so I'm not gonna live my life. <laughs> Go skydive. <laughs> yeah. I'm not gonna like, like swim with sharks or something. But try to like not go back to normal, but find a new normal and don't mm-hmm. wait around for something to happen. Mm-hmm. Because whatever is going to happen is going to happen, you know? Yeah. And you just, it feels terrible because I had this fear after chemo ended, like, I'm not going to chemo anymore. That was killing my cancer. Like, my cancer is going to come back. Oh my yes. gosh, like, I'm stopping it. I need to go yeah. back. Like, I need to go back every week and get this done. Like, at least a little bit of chemo. Like, but that's totally. I don't want to have more chemo. Like, uh, totally. You know? So it's like this yep. up and down, but I I really hurt myself when I wasn't doing anything after chemo. Mm-hmm. I just sat around, I did my workouts, and then I would just like have a mental breakdown every day. And I would just mm-hmm. want to cry every day because it was just so overwhelming to finally do nothing, I guess. Mm-hmm. And to finally not plan for chemo and to finally right. not plan for sleeping and then recovering and then sleeping and then recovering so right I don't want to say keep yourself distracted but yeah just don't wait around I guess is my biggest piece of advice I love that yeah I think that's great because when you wait around your mind just goes into terrible places you know yeah yeah just in your head exactly that's what I'm trying to do right now because my six-month scan is on Monday so I'm like Okay, I can't sit around. Get busy. Yeah, I need to go for a walk. I need to go to Starbucks. I need to go anywhere else that isn't by myself, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. Um, oh my gosh, three months after, that was a tough one. It sucks. Oh yeah. gosh. Yeah. Um, well, six-month scan, that's huge. Yeah. I can't wait to hear the positive results. Oh my gosh, I'm so nervous. <laughs> yeah, I know. I got it. I totally got it. Yeah, go be busy. Yeah, go be busy. <laughs> Do all the things. <laughs> um, and where can people find you, Rachel? And um, maybe say your podcast, like title one more time, yeah, all that okay. good stuff. So my podcast is called Life As You Thought You Knew It. And it's on Spotify as of now. And then also on Anchor. I know people can listen to podcasts on Anchor if they wanted to. Um, mm-hmm. But on Instagram, my Instagram handle is like at Rachel Ann, but it's a bunch of L's and a bunch of N's. It's it'll probably type it out in the show notes or something. Oh, um, yeah, I will. I will. Yeah. And then <laughs> through Instagram is how I can put people in my Facebook group and just right, connect yeah. them with like my little community there. So Instagram and the podcast is really just the two main things I have going on right now. Beautiful. Amazing. Thank you so much. Thank you for being so open and like sharing everything. Of course. I feel like I need more to share now the second time around. I I know. Yeah. Thank you for doing it all again. Of course. I was happy too. Um, So fun. Like I'm so excited to just see everything that you do. Oh, thank you. And thank you for having the podcast too. I wish I could like see Paige too. Um, I know. All, like I know I, um, I love listening to the podcast because every week I'm like okay who's gonna be on now who's gonna yeah. talk about this Thank I want to hear someone else's story it's just a great thing I know, you guys it's created. so cool it thank is really you so cool. much it's, it's so cool to like hear everyone else's story everyone's is just I so bet. different so interesting. oh my gosh yeah 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 it's crazy this cancer thing that connects all of us <laughs> It is. It's wild. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, well, thank you so much. Good luck thank on your you. scan on Monday. Thank you so much. I'll keep you updated for sure. Please let us all know this will come out on Tuesday. So okay, great. I'm so excited. <laughs> Yay. Thank okay. you, Rachel. Thanks, I'll talk to you soon. Bye. Bye.
thanks so much for listening to Cancer Actually Fucking Sucks, the podcast where we get down to the nitty gritty of what actually happens before, during, and after cancer. Hosted by me, Madison Pollock. Follow along for updates and guests on Facebook and Instagram at Cancer Actually Sucks Podcast.